All right, let's do All our right, awkward I'm, intro. I'm okay. Just now he started recording. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so even that banter was long. <laughs> well, I was I was messing with something over there, so don't okay. Worry about it. Does uh, he live in the house? <laughs> Or do you bring him in especially for this occasion? We do, we do. He's got a name yeah. too. Yeah, He's got a name too, Emma. We'll introduce those slowly. Yes. Okay. Yes. Do I get a name? Apart ah, from Emma. By the end of the show. Okay. <laughs> okay. Baron, how are you? Hi, welcome to That Reminds Me Of, a podcast about film and the films that remind us of that film. You're here with Baron and the Doc. And the Maestro. Do we need another drink? Yes, we do. Yeah. We have a special guest on today. Oh, wow. Yes, yes. Uh, Emma Westwood, she is on Zoom in this laptop that you can probably see right in front of us and the camera there. Anyone can Google Emma Westwood and, and find out all of this information because you've actually been working for quite a bit in I guess the industry, I guess, is what you would call it. Although it's it's <laughs> it's surrounding cinema in in a few different ways. Yes, tell that's us a little bit interesting. About. You would um, sort of couch it in those terms because um, I did an interview for a podcast that's called Supporting Characters, and that's what he he doesn't talk to people who make films as such or in films, but who are in supporting um, industry roles. So whether they're writers or commentators or programmers or historians or whatever they may be, founders of festivals or blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, yeah, we're not, we're, we're kind of propping up the films rather than making the films. You're, you're a writer, journalist, um, you've been on uh, rate the radio with uh, with a film segment. You've written novels about about films, specifically horror and sci fi films. Um, and would yeah. you say that's like your that's your niche, horror sci fi? Yeah, yeah. It, look, it is, and I think some somehow as I don't know as a as a woman, if you do that sort of thing, people sort of grab sort of grasp onto that and then go, "That's you. That's what yeah. you do." Mm-hmm. And especially since I'm not. I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't have the affectations, I think, that people expect of someone who's into horror. So, you know, I just upset people because they go, oh, you look like such a nice girl and you're into these <laughs> really nasty films, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that they, they, they become a bit obsessed with that. But, you know, I'm, in, in general... I'm um, I'm I'm a general film lover, so it's yeah. not exclusively horror. It's just I've gravitated a lot to horror because I think it's one of the more creative genres of film. I like genre film, and there's so much scope in horror to do things that are really exciting, and really outlandish, and super creative. You know that isn't really accommodated in a lot of other cinema. But I've, you know, I like older cinema. I tend to even though we're talking about a very new film today. Mm. So not exclusively that, but I do enjoy talking about classic cinema because it's a way of giving gravitas to today's cinema as well. And when you get this, you know, people jump into or get an understanding of this amazing cinema history we have and things that you can pick out that you you never know were there. And in today's day and age, because of the Ability to share and um, find stuff through digital files and all of that. It's really very exciting and you, you get to know cinema becomes far richer when you know film history mm. and when you see these magnificent films that 
everything today has come from because this, there's this idea that, you know, some people will think that art, they have this perception that art will get better with time, but it's not true. Art just changes with time. I mean, I don't think anything, for example, I don't think any sculptors topped the statue of David, right? Mm. Yeah, but there are fabulous sculptures now. It's they're just different, you know. Mm. So it's the same with film. You get some really, really spectacular early film works that have never been bettered. So it's super exciting to find them. Absolutely, and the number of times that I've spoken about The Shining and the Thing on this <laughs> podcast is is you know a sign of that. Like those two films, still for me, are held up with the best. Which one's The Shining and what was the other one? The Thing. Oh, Happened the thing, thing, yes. Mm. You, you'll, be, um, <laughs> you'll be pleased to, to know that my um, co-author for Seconds, Jez Connolly, actually wrote a monograph on um, The Thing. Oh, really? So oh, he wow. wrote a book. He's, he's literally written the book on The Thing. So Jez and I have very similar film taste, hence why we've ended up writing a book together. Yeah. But, yeah, The Thing's uh, like one of those perfect films. I actually went and saw it recently because someone told me I, I actually dropped literally down tools and went to the Astor and saw it because someone said, I've got tickets and I've never seen The Thing before. Mm. And I went, okay, <laughs> I want the experience of going to see the thing with someone who's never seen it before. It's too exciting because I can't do that again, obviously. I'm about 30 times watching it. So, you know, I'll just live vicariously through him and see what his reaction is going to be. Oh, that's beautiful. A while ago, they brought Alien and Aliens back to the cinemas and I got to take a group of, of my nephews that were, I think, 14, 16 and 17, something like that all yeah. out to see Alien and Aliens for the first time. They'd never seen these films before on the big screen and it was beautiful. It was so good. It was such Amazing. an experience. I did an intro for the um, Asta, the 40th anniversary screening. That would have been it, I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, was, well, I did the intro with um, Tristan, Tristan Jones. So we just got up and kind of faffed on. I actually talked about the... The, the formats. <laughs> I went really uber nerd and talked about the formats because the Alien was on, um, it was a 4K restoration and the, the Aliens that they showed was um, a 70 millimetre print from 1986. Wow. So it was really, wow. and I was talking up the 70 millimetre <laughs> and, and I didn't know what the quality was going to be like. Like literally they got it the day before. So I went in there on the night and I said to Zach, I said, what's it look like? What's it look like? He said, go in there now. We've literally got it on now. Oh, that's beautiful. And it was sort of running the credits and it looked great. It had hardly any scratches or anything. Mm. So it was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> My presentation will make sense, this beautiful 70 mil print because there, you know, anything could have happened to it in that time. Yeah. You know, trashed it. The Astra is one place where you can get away with talking that sort of nerds. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, well, also I just went, what am I going to say about alien and aliens that these people don't know? Right. I mean, if people coming out, it's not like they're, they're films that people aren't aware of and that they're going to, they're going to be right into it. Mm. So I went, I'm not even going to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to respect the knowledge that I'm sure is here in the room and just contextualize the formats that we're watching and that, being able to, you know, compare and contrast 
um, in the one night was great and see those films alongside each other, which, you know, I love like you, I think. I love mm. for different reasons, both of them, you know, as yeah. it, it, magnificent films. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, of monster films, both of us went out and got this and they both arrived Bless you. yesterday. <laughs> now, I don't know. I don't know how that happened because we got them from different sites and yeah. and mine's a second handy. Is yours a second handy? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's out of print Pre-loved. now. Yeah. So it was printed. It was released fourteen years ago. Jeez, oh, I wonder if I'll get royalties from that now. Oh, I hope <laughs> so. You guys have bought it. I hope it's, so. I've only skimmed through and I've read the first few pages properly, but it's a smashing little book. Oh, thank you. Like it it really you. is. It, it just is Moorish. I feel like a monster devouring it. Well, hopefully, what I tried to do is create it like just a little entry into creating a journey through monster films mm. and the idea that someone could then go on their own journey. That's why I did little lineage section at the end of each. So, you know, you kind of throw out the tentacles and, and I mm. concentrated on the monster themselves themselves like what the the character of the monster in each film but it's very high level like I said I, I kind of you know contextualize it at the start um, because I only had 45,000 words to write entire monster movies mm. history and you're never going to be able to do everything in that yeah, totally let's just say yeah but what a but great selection it. you've got in here <laughs> I thought some you'd real like favorites oh, I'm of glad mine. You'd like it. <laughs> some absolute some favorites really even some really crappy ones in there oh, yeah. too, as in good crappy, yeah. you know. So these interviews in here, did you speak to these directors? Yeah, oh, I did. I'm so did. jealous. Yeah, because I spoke to John Carpenter. That's, <laughs> that's the name. When, 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 when I first opened it and I saw the acknowledgements and you've got, you've got John Carpenter's the third name in there, I was like, no, stop it. Really? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it is in alphabetical order. I try to be, you know, <laughs> equitable. Yeah. My actually, one of my friends, he's a, and he's a film critic. His name's Guy Davis, and he kind of lost his shit because his name got to be beside David Cronenberg in the, in the thank yous. Uh, for, I think that was for the Fly book. So beautiful. you know, beautiful. He was like, I'm beside David Cronenberg, and I'm like, yeah, alphabetical order, dude. I'm, that's Equally right. as jealous of uh, Bong Joon Ho yeah. as well. So, oh, I thought you yeah. might mention. Oh, it. he's a lovely man. Yeah, very, very lovely man indeed. And um, that was before. Well, he had won an Academy Award at that stage. Mm-hmm. But um, the host. Yeah, yeah. What I did with those pieces, so that it's like they've written them, right? So what I did was I interviewed them because I thought I can't ask these people to write something they're not going to have time so I just interviewed them did the the transcript from the interviews and then just put it together like they were talking through a whole thing and then sent it back to them and they read it and said yes or no right so basically no one really made many changes so that was all right if anything there was one thing we'll put this delicately that my publisher took out of the John Carpenter one. And it was because um, he may have mentioned something about Stephen King's habits at a certain time that <laughs> okay. the, the publisher decided may not be a good idea to put in the book. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean. But since- <laughs> fine to put in a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you want to. Plus well, Stephen King's talked about his own habits a fair bit. Over the years? Well, that's the thing. The, my publisher just got a bit nervous. Mm. So, you know, John Carpenter just went, 
Ah, fair enough. You yeah. know, he's pretty cruisy. He's <laughs> yeah. very cruisy. Awesome. <laughs> very laid back, old hippie feel. Oh, that's great. Know? That's so great. That's great. <laughs> wow. So what are you doing these days? Yeah, what am I doing? Still writing. You know, it takes up a lot of it takes up a lot of time, but I'm not doing as much radio. I've got a couple of commentaries coming up, but I've got another book coming out. So I do a lot of. Um, uh, I just love that sound effect there. <laughs> that's that's not. That's Kim making effect. a drink. Just so you. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I was trying. I was trying. I was trying to be quiet. But look, no. I, Emma Emma Westwood. I told you we were going to be drinking. And what what did you do? You got a hot. You, you, I you, got a hot chocolate. <laughs> apparently, you preloaded though. Is that, that, yeah, is that right? Yeah, a little bit of Kahlua in there. Yeah, you lovely. Know, something, bit of whiskey. You yeah. know, whatever. Um. But yeah, no, I had a Negroni or two oh, maybe nice. before this, so I just, you know, decided to not slur, Action or try not to slur. Um, yeah, I've got another book coming out, so that's on Bride of Frankenstein. So that's the oldest film I've written about. Nobody to interview for that one, let's just say. Mm, but yeah. um, I did get the foreword for the book is by Sarah Karloff, who's the, oh, the wow. daughter of Boris Karloff. Oh, so that's pretty cool, and she's a lovely lady. Really, she's kind of the she kind of is the guardian of the Karloff archives and the Karloff estate and everything the Karloff brands, I guess you could say, and keeps on, you know, making sure her father's work is really still taught and still people know about it and still talked about. Because when he made, he called himself the what was it? The something like the longest or oldest overnight sensation. Cause when he made Frankenstein, he'd made 81 films already. Oh my God. <laughs> Would you believe? That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yes. So it's a book of basically that's a book of multiple authors. I've authored some stuff in it, but I'm mainly the editor and I've put a whole lot of people writing about different themes and everything with the film and the legacy and really great stuff. Like some people from Melbourne, some people from the UK and some people from the US writing about it. So hopefully I think it's looking like a Halloween release. Yeah. Appropriately. Right. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what I'm curious about is so I saw in your um in your bio that you had sort of started out at, at one point wanting to direct and uh <laughs> you write, read the long bio. <laughs> I did, yes. I read both bios, just in case there was something. Okay. Um, so what got you into writing a books, you know, writing books about films, specifically the ones that you've chosen? So, you know, you've gone for a very, you know, specific time. I guess and genre. I've, kind of, I've kind of gone with the way the wind has blown me, if mm. you know what I mean. Like there's a, there's a level of that you sort of choose stuff. Like I remember way back when in the 90s, like sending out stuff, trying to get reviews in places and I really said I guess things really hotted up because I um I became the arts editor at Impress which was one of the street mags here in um in Melbourne and that just kind of opened up a whole world of the arts community and everything you know I found some new things through that that I would didn't consider a love before like for example stand-up comedy that was something that was kind of came out of the blue and I ended up mm. doing things like judging the comedy festival and doing a lot of stuff yeah. um, around that. And that, that was a broadening. And then I sort of came 
back into just focusing on film again and because um, that was sort of the, the first love of my childhood, that and music. So it was like I circled back. And, you know, I, I actually met a great group of people in Melbourne. Like there's a really, really exciting, energetic film community who are really expected, uh, respected across the world. But um, when I say film community, I'm, I'm talking about film criticism and film commentary. And I think by getting into that group and working with them, people like uh, Lee Gambon from Cinemaniacs and the Cinemaniacs crew, which is Sally Christie's one of them, who I was on the show with, and Alexandra Helen Nicholas, who writes lots of books and I was on the show with, Therese Howard. And once you're in there, we just kept on crossing paths, if you know what I mean. And then people get to know you and people get to trust you and I never did a lot of speaking before. That's kind of a newer thing for me. Um, but the camaraderie to do talk about film um, with people is really quite exciting, which is, I guess, why you guys are doing a podcast. It is. Yeah, it is exciting, isn't it? And it's not yeah. It's not like you can do it with anybody, mm. you know. Like if yes, you just, that's true. If you're, in an, if you're in the office or, you're, you know, you've got a group of friends, you might have one or two people in that group that you can have a really good chat about a film or a TV show with, you know. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So I just, you know, came across a lot of like minds, like-minded people. I've actually, you know, like someone who's become a really good friend and he came became a friend through interviews, strangely enough, was Jamie Blanks. He's a director of, you know, um, Urban Legend and mm. um, Valentine and that. Mm, yeah. So he lives here in Moorabbin in really? Melbourne. And so, yeah, yeah, and we hang out a bit. Our worlds have crossed in weird ways. If you were to look up Jamie Blank's Emma Westwood online, you'd find an article on Diabolique magazine that I wrote about Jamie, which is quite personal, and you'll see the story about how our lives kind of intersected, although I don't think I told the story about how he knew the guy that lived across the road from me who sadly died just a couple of weeks ago. Like, oh, like no. seriously, just a couple of weeks ago. This guy, Noel, lived in this very interesting house, let's just say. And Jamie used his film Storm Warning that he did here in Australia. If anyone's seen that film, the serial killer's home in it was modelled on Noel's house oh, across wow. the road from me. And that will say a lot if yeah. you see the art direction <laughs> for this place. It's, it's pretty pretty scary. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Incredible. One thing I saw in there is that you, you would, um, at some point you'd worked in a video store or a DVD shop. or would, <laughs> Of course. Uh, so I worked at both as well. Um, I did the video store <laughs> for about four years when I was 15 to something and then went to a DVD yeah. shop and that's that is film school that is entire that's completely film school if you're yes. bringing home you know that stack of of VHS tapes every week and watching them all you're getting an education yes. absolutely no I loved I, I loved doing that job and it was like, like the perfect job for me I remember there was I got a job at a bakery where you kind of had to start at five in the morning and mm. I really actually thought that the owner was a bit racist too and and then and then I walked in and just asked for a job at a DVD at like oh well it was a video shop and um it was a no-brainer as I got that I was like oh this is you know this is right up my alley it's not the bakery the racist bakery I'm not going there <laughs> <laughs> okay. so it was just about getting movies and it was also about taking the 
you know, their X-rated ones from the cupboard and giving them to my friends on the weekend too and just picking the ones with the German titles because you knew they would be the most hardcore and would, you know, really blow their minds. (laughs) That's amazing. That's amazing. (laughs) One of my favourite things from the the video store is when somebody would come in and and they'd be like, oh, I'm looking for this film and it's got a guy uh, and he's got blue eyes and, you know, they start saying these really obscure details from the film and you see yeah. every, everybody behind the counter just leans in and, like, and they're all like. Yeah, well, well that's tune. <laughs> you're, you're talking about tune. Yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Who's going to get it for, like, get this random video title first? It's funny, though, because it just shows what the impression certain imagery of films can make on mm. people like some yeah. people will take away a certain part that you'll go i can't even i didn't even remember that in the film <laughs> but you know oh, yeah. did he have a blue eyes yeah. really <laughs> i didn't know that but yeah <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> too good yeah those are good times i miss that job Let's go back to that. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> Try and find the video shop or the DVD shop yeah. that exists now. Exactly. That's yeah, it's, that's gone, isn't it? There's no kids growing up with that sort of job from 15 anymore, is there? I know. It's a shame, I feel, actually. I feel sorry for them, actually, because it was such a good thing to be able to do and mm. just, just borrow stuff and everything. I guess you can do it in a totally different way now, but um, in some ways I used to go on little, like look down little rabbit holes. like I like the way I tried to structure the monster movie book, the idea that you just keep on, you know, you just follow a trail, mm. lead the, take the breadcrumbs and just see where they lead you. And you go on these great little journeys, either thematic journeys or director journeys or actor journeys or whatever, whatever links it somehow. Uh, even a year, like last year I did uh, some stuff on radio around, for example, films that had turned 50. So it was all films from 1971. And really, you don't have to watch films from any other year. Just watch films from 1971. (laughs) Films from 1971, films from 1970, and films from 1972, pretty good. And films from 1939. If you go and look at the films that were released in 1939, you'll see what a seminal year in cinema. Wow. Hot tip. Yeah. So that's what I give to you. Yes, we'll Hot take tip. that away. That, um, that's so odd. I've been doing you... the same thing with music. I've been listening yeah. only to 1973 for the past month. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because 1971 is a good year in music too. There was that wonderful doco series. I think it was an Apple original series, so it's not easy to get unless you have Apple TV. But um, And it was called 1971, the year music changed the world or changed everything. Mm. Sensational. 71. Absolute, and 1971. And then you look at what came out in 1971 and it's like, is this for real? No. Mm. Not all that stuff couldn't have come out in 1971. Well, it, like it, you're going from Gil Scott Heron to Carol King to <laughs> Marvin Gaye to the Stones, Exile on Main Street. You know, you just keep it's just one after another after another got big seminal stuff Mm. then the same thing with cinema like just really crazy out there stuff i mean no one would make harold and maud again like in Mm. this day and age i mean who's going to make a film about an almost 80 year old woman in love with a 20 year old guy and their romantic relationship i mean really Mm. no no one's going to do that probably no one's going to do it but that is awesome i mean it's a beautiful film yeah you pitch that i'm like actually that sounds great i want to see that 
you know like yeah <laughs> yeah no one's game now no yeah. one's game like i just i did a screening of um I presented, a, did an intro for a screening of All That Jazz, Bob Fosse's All That Jazz from 1979, just only about two or three weeks ago at Acme. Like, the film's just a perfect film. It's amazing. But, it, you know, it made some people bristle, I could see, because Bob Fosse in presenting himself as an auto, semi-autobiographical character, his char- the character is called Joe Gideon in the film, doesn't necessarily present himself in the best light. Like, you know, a lot of people could say he's a misogynist and everything. But the fact is, um, first of all, it's 1979. Mm. It's not 2000. And what are we? 2021? <laughs> 22? Everyone was... Whatever year we are, 22. You know, there's a little slightly a different attitude in society. But also no one in terms of attitudes we have in society now no one would be game to present themselves in that way mm. and there are people who are like that everyone just acts righteous right that they're all so freaking evolved and it's like you're not <laughs> you're just flawed like everyone else right so Absolutely. but no one's game to show that um unfortunately mm, that is a shame uh, so isn't i it? think it's i think it's quite a brave film if ever anyone has not seen it all that jazz, fantastic. Wow. Another hot tip. And that's not a horror movie. No. So it's really bleak. I do tend to like bleak films. So, you know, uh, a bit of a downbeat ending and I come out happy <laughs> for some reason. I'm the same. I like a bleak film. Yeah. I like a dark yeah. film. I like a melancholy film. Melancholy. <laughs> you like to, sh- you know, what, shed a tear or just, you know, sit and... I like you know, um, hug yourself in a corner. Kind <laughs> of. I like I like Woody Allen at the end of Crimes and Misdemeanors, looking at the mm-hmm. woman he loves dancing with another man. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's that's my that's great. We'll have to dig broken into that hearts. one later. <laughs> yeah, broken hearts. There's going to be a whole episode on that later, Doc. <laughs> <laughs>